Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. You're listening to the JT The Brick Show, where the Raider Nation has come to sound off and react for over 20 years. It's time for JT The Brick. Raider Nation, unite! We're a show based on fans. Embrace the culture, embrace the history of this organization. Feels like football. Man, you know, since I've been here, I've only had one winning season. So really, like, all the individual accolades don't really mean nothing when you don't win. That's a gritty, gutty win! Yeah, this is what I dreamed of, you know? This is this is what it's all about. We're not going backwards. We're going to do this right. Obviously, you know, we would love to, you know, play in a... Super Bowl in our hometown. They hate you. They despise you. They think you're a bunch of thugs. JT the Brick. Who's the number one rival of the Broncos? The Raiders. Who's the number one rival of the Chargers? The Raiders. Who's the number one rival of Kansas City? Without question, the Oakland, LA, and now Las Vegas Raiders. Honestly, I don't care who I play against. I go out there, I don't discriminate. I treat everybody the same way when we we go out there. And I'm more concerned about what we're doing as a football team and what I'm doing personally. And now, your Las Vegas Raiders. Here's JT the Brick. Was one of the more festive atmospheres I've ever been to ever and this is a young stadium and a young fan base in Vegas a lot of fans are coming in from LA and Oakland as we know and we know there were a lot of Packer fans yesterday but with Beast Mode Warren G the Vegas Golden Knights lifting the Stanley Cup which was incredible I was on the field before the game the legends are there just everybody I bumped into I had friends in town because I went to Coachella over the weekend. That was wild. I'll get into that. That was an interesting weekend, seeing Guns N' Roses, ACDC, and all that. So I had friends who were visiting, came back, brought them to the game, had the wife there. Everything was going on. My head was on a swivel, and I get a chance to watch most of the game. And Late in the game, I go upstairs before I have to go to the post-game show with Jason Horowitz and the team up there, Lincoln Kennedy, and get some stats and really lock into the game and try to get a good look at it there also in the fourth quarter. I don't see every single play because I'm walking around the stadium going from place to place, but I catch most of it. My big takeaway was clearly the Raiders' defense was there. They shined. They played well. Uh, Are they a great defense? Historically, since 2003, I have the numbers here, since 2003, this is the third best defense the Raiders have had in 20 years through five games statistically. So statistically, 2023, they've given up 114 points. You got to go back to 2017, where it was 109, and 2013, where it was 106. So you look at this team and what they have done, and all the way back to 2005 at 116, this Raider defense is stacking up. Now, I think there's cause for concern. You got guys injured. I think there's some players on that team on the defensive side getting exposed, getting exposed in crunch time. But the defense is better than the offense as of now. Now, as I've told you, I believe the strength of the team is the offense. If you want to go glasses half full compared to glasses half empty, glasses half full is simply the Raiders' offense, which is the only team in football that hasn't scored more than 20 points. That is alarming. But it's the easiest thing I think you can fix. The easiest thing you can fix is Garoppolo, who's a very good winning quarterback, Devontae, Hunter Renfro, Michael Mayer, Jacoby Myers, Trey Tucker, Josh Jacobs. I go on and on and on. You can fix that. That's like taking a real, not a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, but a high-end car into the shop and fixing it. You can fix this. 
Now, if you can't fix the defense and the defense is awful, you're dead. You're not going to win anything. Even if you have a good offense, your defense is going to let you down. That has not been the case this year. The Raider defense is playing well. So the offense, how do we get that going? Look, they're playing a New England team that has been outscored 72-3 to in their last two games and was shut out at home 34 to nothing. So it would be a shame if New England came in here and had a chance to win the game, let alone did it and shut down the Raider defense. I think a theme of the show as we go later into the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, is that this New England team better not get fixed on defense because Belichick is a genius, a genius defensively. And if New England can find a way to get Mac Jones going, reportedly today Bill O'Brien said he will quarterback the game. He's not awful. He's having a tough year. Not every quarterback every year can put up their best year. This New England team is going to come in here with their entire season on the line and their pride. And there's a lot of people in this building that work for New England. And New England's going to come in here wanting to prove to their friends and the coaches here that they're not a laughing stock. There's a lot on the line for this game. This game, to me, is tougher than the Green Bay game. And the Raiders barely beat Green Bay. So we got a lot of work to do here to clean this up. So before we get to the press conference, I was telling Cisco, who was the president of the Black Hole yesterday in J-Lot, when we were there uh, before the game, I said, I'm not going to do this on social media because social media is a sewer. And people live in that sewer, and most of them are cowards. Most of them are cowards, absolute cowards in that space when it comes to this team. Or they're basically just guys with beer muscles. So I said I was going to save this for the radio monologue, which I'll do now. I am disgusted in my 25 years with the team. 25 years, all of it, most of it in the beginning wasn't social media. It wasn't invented. All right, so in my 25 years with the team, I have never seen a portion of the fans check out, not want this team to win, root against them. I'm talking Raider fans. Now, fortunately, it's a smaller portion than the great fans that fill up the stadium, love their team, who don't have social media. My podcast partner, Tom Looney, always reminds me, most people don't have you know, social media. They're not on Instagram. They're not on Twitter. But, wow. I, I saved over 150 tweets from people who were rooting against their team with Raiders in their Twitter profile, either Raider Dad, Raider Fan, Raider Nation, and they were pulling against this team. Now, some will come back and say, no, we were pulling against the coach. We don't like the coach. Or we were pulling against – no, 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 no. They crossed the line. There's a percentage, hopefully I'm wrong, and it's really tiny and small, who are against this team. They don't want this team to win a game. They want a draft pick who we have no idea who the – you see how many teams are garbage this year? Garbage, worse than the Raiders, who are going to have a better chance at Caleb Williams as the number one pick. And you got Raider fans wanting to tank and wanting to lose games. The level of disgust I have for these people are at an all-time high. Thank God I'm on the radio to point out these trolls and cowards who don't want this team to win. What a shame that it's come to this point for a few miserable people who can't get behind the team on game day or the week of the game. At the end of the year, you can do it all. If the Raiders only win three or four games, we told you about this. The rest of the season, for me, is going to be putting out forest fires from fans who don't think the team's going to win. They're probably going to be right. There are going to be a lot of changes made because of the record. But at this point, the Raiders are one game away from being 500. 
In a league that's in disarray and chaos, the opportunity to go above 500 and the winnable portion of their schedule, and there's a bunch of Raider fans trolling their team. But man, as Eric Allen says, they love to jump back on the bandwagon. And that's the point. The real fans who live by this team and have supported them since the 60s, 70s, and 80s, they don't do this. They are upset. They get mad at the game. They get frustrated, but they don't cross the line. So, to make this positive, you notice I said glasses half full? A shout-out to the Raider fans in the Raider Nation who stand by this team, who buy the season tickets, who go out there and support all the products that we put out there in the hopes that they'll win a game every week. We don't know if they're going to win. We can't make every prediction. But everybody hopes, especially the people who are involved with this team, lifelong Raider fans, for the misery index of the people that just can't stand to be miserable seven days a week, you never show your face, you hide behind Twitter, and you've been exposed by me. Because I got the 150 tweets here. And you get upset when I slide into a DM after someone says something heinous about me? I'll leave those and I'll, I screenshot them and I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get you. And I want to do it on radio instead of social media so you can hear it in my voice like you'd see it at the torch or you'd see it at the J-Lot. Uh, the level of disrespect that a small portion of this fan base has to this entire organization is repulsive. And I've never said that in 25 years on the radio and I can't believe I'm saying it after a win. The Raiders won that game. It was ugly. It wasn't perfect. And the fans should enjoy the victory like the players of Mad Max Crosby. Ma- Max is on social media. He's got a big social media presence. Instagram, Twitter, all of that. A lot of the guys in the locker room are only in their early 20s. Early in their early 20s, they look at their phones all the time when they're not breaking down film. You want to encourage those guys. You want them to win because that's what they're doing for you. They're trying to win, represent the organization, and take the organization to a higher level. So for the fans who support this team, as I'm in the building today, thank you. Thank you for not going into the sewer and going out of your way to try to knock this team before they play a game. Because it was the worst I've ever seen it this last week. So many fans have checked out and are gone, and they want to come in like a revolving door whenever they want. Fandom doesn't work that way. 702-365-9200. If you want to get in on the game, uh, we, have a lot, we have a couple of guests today. We're going to talk to Chris Powell. He runs the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, one of the largest venues in America the largest attended sporting event in all of Las Vegas is not a Raider game. It's not an Aces game. It's not a Golden Knights game. It's NASCAR coming up this weekend and how big a playoff race is. He'll join us at the top of the hour. Also, Harry Ruiz will check in, maybe Levi Edwards, and a complete breakdown of how the Raiders won the game. Uh, before I get to the coach here, we'll play about six, seven, eight, ten minutes of it. He said something interesting that I want you to hear in the first few minutes. I think the Raiders' defense gives the franchise some momentum, and the Raider offense needs to get fixed quickly. I mean A-S-A-P. I think most of this should be pointed at Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm a fan of Jimmy. He's a historic winner. He wins a lot of games. There's just something not working here. It's not clicking. He's not seeing the field. He's not going deep. He's not playing at the level he can play at. I'm confident he will. The strength of this team is supposed to be the consistency 
of Jimmy Garoppolo in the passing game, and I believe they'll get that fixed. The turnovers are very high. The mistakes have been big. I think some of that's with this offensive line. There's not a lot of great communication between the quarterback and the offensive line, the, uh, the running back and the offensive line, and I'm hoping they can fix it. I believe there will be changes made on the offensive line to wake up this unit and get them going again with the quality of players that they have or don't have. There's a moment now where this offensive line needs to look in the mirror and see what they're going to do the rest of the way. And maybe that gets the quarterback going. Got to figure out what the future is of Hunter Renfro before the trade deadline if he's not going to be used in this offense. He's a really good player. What to do with Hunter Renfro? And what about Devontae in big decision moments? Third and five, you know, one yard to go, fourth and one. Where is Devontae? Should he be the priority? Should it be Josh Jacobs? Or is there more confidence in the kicking game than in the short passing game and running game, which you better believe is a real topic, because they're kicking the ball a lot instead of going for it. And the coach will explain this coming up now. Let's go to Josh McDaniel's press conference from about a half hour ago. Jermaine uh, was off the field for quite a bit um, yesterday. Was there something physical going on? Yeah, we, we looked at it. He got banged up a little bit. Um, you know, but there had, you know, there's played obviously before. Um, that was kind of the, you know, the intent anyway. And I thought he went in there and uh, represented himself the right way. So we'll see how Jermaine's doing. And, you know, we don't have every, every update yet. Josh, five games in, your offense hasn't gotten over 20 points. You're now getting into the meat of the schedule. Mm-hmm. What are some things as a coach you do? Is there changes? What what things do you do to get that production up? I mean, we got to do a lot of things a little bit better. You know, there's no, there's no one answer. You know, we've uh, had stretches where we've run the ball well. We've had stretches where we've thrown it well. We've had stretches where we've protected well. We've had stretches where we've scored in the red zone. You know, and then, you know, we have um, just enough plays here and there to stop us from really getting into a consistent rhythm. And so um, the good is, is that the fight and the effort is there and also that we haven't played our best. And so we know that uh, as coaches and players, we want to try to do everything we can every week to try to improve. And um, hopefully our best is in front of us. Offensive production. You noticed Jim Garoppolo getting a lot of other guys involved yesterday. Do you think that that's something that's more of a, a effort that's kind of been preached, or was it more organic? Mm. I think it has to happen when they put so much attention on Devontae and Josh. You know, and um, they definitely, you know, gave their fair share of attention to to Tay, um, and then they had some things where they were down there near the box. You know, with JJ. So. Um, I think, you know, the tight ends, you know, got into the rhythm of the game a little bit yesterday uh, early, and Trey and DeAndre, you know, Hunter, you know, made some different plays at different times during the course of the game. So, yeah, I mean, we want, um, you know, we have a lot of faith and confidence in all our skill players. So when they're out there, we have no problem throwing them the ball or attempting to get it to them. So um, I thought for the most part we tried to take what was given to us as opposed to force it, you know, somewhere. So... Uh, the ball got distributed to a number of different people, and I think that was the reason. <clears throat> Part of that is predicated on being able to block it as, as well. Um, you know, when, when you have as many weapons as you do on the field, spreading it out, asking your five to block, you know, their five. Pressures. Exactly. Um, yep. But how much is the, the offensive line has struggled a little bit to do that? Um, how much has that dictated what you're able to do 
in terms of getting other wide receivers out there on the yeah. tight ends and getting in the pattern. Yeah, I mean, it's a give and a take, you know, and, um, you know, there's we've definitely had good stretches where we've handled, you know, some tough fronts and stayed inside out and gotten the ball out on time and been able to, you know, distribute a bunch of people into the pattern. And then there's been some times where, you know, that, that's been more of a challenge at times. Um, you know, again, there's no shortcut to that, but there is a balance. You know, and, and we gave up a few things early in the game yesterday in, in an obvious passing situation. Um, uh, again, we can do a few things better to help ourselves, but I think that's throwing the football obviously starts with, you know, protecting, being on the same page, the quarterback moving in the pocket subtly if he needs to, uh, finding the, 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 identifying the coverage after the ball snapped and then trying to find the first good option. So um, the more you put out, the less, you know, protection you have and the more the emphasis goes on, you know, just sheer one-on-one matchups and protection. And look, at the end of the day, football is going to always come down to those things. The matchups, you know, you got to either protect or run a good route or, I mean, everybody's in a one-on-one battle at some point. So, um, like I said, we've had stretches where we've been very productive and others where we need to improve. And that'll be another area we keep talking about. As the game goes on, does that, how your offensive line might be playing, alter how, or, or just affect some of the decisions or, uh, that, that you make? Or? I think you have to take everything into consideration. Um, you know, I mean, it, it might be how you're throwing it or how you're, you know, uh, if you're getting open against man coverage, there's a lot of things you would take into consideration in terms of decision-making and how to play the game, um, you know, when it comes down to one-play decisions here or there. But, um, again, I have confidence in all our guys. I love the way we practiced last week. Um, you know, and, and sometimes you have to feel the kind of game you're in too, you know, the kind the type of game that's being, it's kind of unfolding in front of your eyes and what's happening on both sides. You know, when you're the play caller and that's all you are, you want to, you want to do it. You want to don't, you know, you don't want to ever kick it. You know what I mean? I mean, when I was an offensive coordinator, I, that's what I felt, you know, when you're the head coach, you're trying to understand the the entirety of the game you know what's happening on the other side how we're kicking it how they're you know playing offense how we're playing defense etc and uh, kind of try to make the decisions that are best for the team <clears throat> that gets lost a little bit in the world of analytics where there's a number at the very end of the year that says if you do this your five percent chance you you're, you increase by five percent if you do this instead of that but they don't take into account maybe the things that you just talked about yeah i mean we, we have our fair share of analytics, um, you know, and I think sometimes when you just say it, you have a 63% chance of doing this if you do that, and what they don't mention is there's like 27 different variables in between those two things that, that are going to happen. You know, we have 11 guys on the field. They have 11 guys on the field. Their coordinator could call something different. You know, what are we calling? Who's the stress on? You know, is it a blitz? Is it not a blitz? Is it, you know, playing zone? Are they playing man? The injuries, you know, are our guys out? Their guys, you know, there's so many other things that go into analytics. I just, you know, you gotta gotta take it with a grain of salt. If you have a, if you have confidence in the in the play or the defense that you're going to call, great. If you know, if you if you're if you understand the scenario in the game, the situation in the game, the circumstances, you might feel differently. You know, and um, you know, so I, I've always thought analytics are always skewed towards, you know, you know, just the offense's ability to do something as opposed to the defense, you know, and we have three phases, 
you know, that play out there every week, you know. And if your defense is playing well or your kickers are kicking really well or, your, you know, whatever it is, that also plays a role in analytics, which I think sometimes gets lost in translation. That uh, Devontae got last night. You watch the film and say, should we got more targets? Just something you care about and look at in terms of. Um, you know, if this is multiple years that you go through this, and you know everybody takes their shot and does different things and tries to um, discourage, disrupt, take away, whatever you want to call it. Uh, your your best players, you know, however they choose to do it. Some teams play what they've played all year. Some teams take a big drastic swing at doing something different. And when that happens, you know, you, you, you know, there's other options to find him, you know, ways to get the, the ball in his hands, which eventually we did. Um, but, you know, until the game kind of declares, sometimes it takes just a little bit of kind of seeing how it's all unfolding. Um, and, and, you know, we're going to have to live with that sometimes, you know, where if we just keep trying to force it and that's the only focus that, that you have, sometimes that can be a problem. But, you know, he still found a way to make a big impact in the game, that, you know, bunch of catches on the big drive there in the third quarter, um, you know. But, you know, we've done a lot of things to try to av- effectively counter those things, um, and we have to continue to do that. But, that's head coach Josh McDaniels, a portion of a longer, much longer press conference that he had today the the big thing that I wanted to jump out with is the analytics on kicking or going forward and what he said about being a head coach compared to a coordinator that's the first time I heard him say that Eric Allen as we were on set for Raiders press conference live was very impressed by that because he clarified the difference between what he used to do being an offensive coordinator and the head coach and as a head coach, he looks at the defense, special teams, the impact of all the players, their health, injuries, what's happened in the game. You just don't look at the win weight, uh, win rate in analytics. You just don't say, okay, if we go for it and get it, we win that many percentages of the time. He's the head coach. As an offensive coordinator, he made it clear he wants to go for it all the time. Now he's the head coach. He's got to look at the defense. So I've disagreed with the majority of the decisions this year, as I've said, to kick field goals instead of go for it or attack the end zone or some of the play calling there. But he was able to explain it. I thought that was a good line of questioning on what they're doing, when they're doing it, and he explained it. So if you don't love the coach, if you don't like the play calling, he just gave his answer. And I wanted to make sure we got that into the monologue. So for the offense, I am very surprised that they are struggling this much. I'm tremendously surprised that they are struggling. Uh, to me, it's a disaster that they're not exploding with 30 to 35 points a game, but it'll be fixed. I'm confident if will. If we're in week 10, 11, 12, and this team is at the lowest in the NFL with points per game, and they don't change the offense around with this type of talent, I'll be shocked. I will, because that's something, I'll admit I was wrong. I didn't see that coming. The defense, defense is playing really well. And that's a good thing. So I think if you look at the positives of what could happen going forward, there's a lot of positives on the defensive side. If you want to be critical of the team and respectful, how do you think the offense gets going? That could be part of your interaction and calls this week or tweets at JT the Brick. Raider Dave in Denver, start us off coming off a victory. What's happening? Hey, Victory Tuesday, gotta love it. You know, I ended up calling you last night, and I won't rehash that stuff about some gadget plays. I won't call them trick plays, but gadget plays where the ball ultimately could have intended to go way down the field. But one of the plays that did happen that I loved was the backside rollout to get Mayer involved. 
I don't know why that wasn't used later when it was fourth and one or fourth and short. You know, that was a 100% play. They used that last week to get him a two-point conversion with his first score of the year. And I think there's some areas there where we ended up getting uh, the Raiders got a, a free five yards. So they're sitting there at first and five. Such a play like that, it's almost like everybody in the world knows we're going to run Jacobs, so why not play action and take a shot? I think there's some areas there that they really have to look at and wonder, where was it that we really could take a shot and get this thing to blow open like you're talking about? So hopefully, and I'm optimistic, that they will look at the tape over the last couple of weeks and figure out that there are some opportunities that they could do that. You know, they had a run set that was pretty tight, and Devontae's one-on-one on the outside and outside the numbers. I mean, if that's not a slant pass right away, I don't know where this is in talking about uh, making changes to the line of scrimmage versus the other quarterback we used to have. But, you know, hopefully going forward, we're going up against some defenses that we can exploit and can take chances like he's talking about. The only other thing I wanted to say is, damn you prognosticators and talking heads that said the Denver Broncos were going to be the world beaters and said that the Chargers were just going to go ahead and blow everybody away. If these guys don't like huddle in a room and just take cyanide, I mean, what is wrong with these guys to go ahead and go in year after year after year talking about teams that just don't do crap and they're about ready to have the rats leave the ship in Denver. They couldn't be more wrong and I know you're the guy to go ahead and point it out. I don't have cable. I don't watch those guys. I hear about it from you and other people that people are saying that they're going to, and I read it, that they're going to have 10 wins or 9 wins or whatever it is. Man, they couldn't be so wrong. How can they be national guys and be that wrong, JT? Yeah, I I proved it. Thanks for the call, Dave. Denver was remarkable. There's just a couple of talking heads that go all in on Denver every year. And I knew that Denver didn't have a very good roster. People believed that Denver had this great roster. They just think their secondary's great. Well, their secondary's been pretty good, but it's not elite. With Jerry Judy out in the preseason, they didn't have a number two. Jerry Judy is not an elite number one. They don't have a running game. And Russell Wilson's not playing at a level, a competitive level. A lot to get to today. The Raiders won 17-13. It was ugly. It wasn't pretty, but they got the win. Can this start something special? Can they get on a roll? Let me know. First and goal on the Packers. Two end zone to our left. Garoppolo is under center in I formation. Snap. Handoff. Jacobs. Stances. Forward. Forward. Touchdown, Raiders. Jacobs had a dance in the pocket, but he got the motion going forward. Had enough engine to get in the end zone. And the Raiders, on the first play of the fourth, take a 16-13 lead. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. Brought to you by the DeCasta Verde Law Group. If you get into an accident, call 702-222-9999. Yeah, the DeCastaverde Law Group, they're my guys. They were there yesterday. Alex DeCastaverde, you need it. You need the help. If you get into an accident, anything significant, call the DeCastaverde Law Group, 702-222-9999. Raider fans, you see their billboards right outside Allegiant Stadium. La Familia, they will take care of you. Thanks to the Castaverde Law Group, proud partner of our show. I want to thank all of our partners this week. I got a lot to thank, as we've never had more partners in the history of the show since I've been in Vegas, and they all mean everything to me, as we got a big week in front of us. A short week, you hear that term all the time? It is a short week. We got the coach on Thursday, the Patriots coming to town. 
Uh, we're going to do Raiders Roundtable tomorrow, right back here in the studio. So busy week for me, but I love doing it coming off a win. And that was a must-win game. If they lost that game to go to 1-4, and four, see you later. Would there have been other wins? Yeah. I think the team gets the offense going. I think good things can happen. But you can't get back into a season 1-4. and four. And over the next couple of weeks, I believe the Raiders have a chance to put some wins together. Four out of five, three out of four. The, Lion game, the Lions game looks a little bit more difficult. But it's Jared Goff. I mean, come on, you're not playing Montana in his prime of Brady. you got to feel that team's been a doormat, doormat in the history of the league. And they're playing really well, and they're going to be a playoff team this year. But that's not the toughest team the Raiders have ever played as a franchise. But the Raiders got to make a lot of things look better, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Big Al, who loves talking about the trenches, the offensive line. Raiders win, Big Al. How'd you see it? Well, you know, they won. There are parts of the game I thought that they played very well, but there were some parts of the game they didn't play so well. But there was a lot of promising, interesting things that I saw, um, you know, with the Raiders. First off, uh, the tight ends were in the game plan. That I don't know if we could have said that the first you know, the first four games of the season. Um, was Tucker in the game plan for stretching the ball on long route, on, on deep routes? Uh, no. Maybe Jimmy can't make the throw. That's a different discussion. But let's see what happens. This is a team that is ever-evolving, and it was great to see the two tight ends be able to get some play. Um, they had four catches and I think several more targets than that. You know, Mayer missed that one ball that he could have had down uh, on, the, uh, on the near side of the field. Um, defensively, you know, we look, the, uh, their best defenders, all the guys that stayed on the field all game, like the Spillanes and, you know, and uh, Crosby's and so forth, they all have 58 snaps. I'd like to know when we can get Tyree Wilson on for, like, maybe 30 snaps because he only had 24. Between him and Kuntz at the other defensive end, they're not getting any push. But that push will come when these guys start to get more snaps. On the overall, I thought the offensive line played okay. They played better than they have. I saw, I saw a lot more positives here than anything else in terms of Jacobs finding holes, getting some yards. He had 25 touches. Uh, going back a couple of years ago when the Raiders hit, when J- Josh Jacobs had 25 touches for the Raiders, uh, the Raiders made the playoffs. So those are some good things that I saw. It's a work in progress. It's an easy schedule the next couple of weeks with the exception of running into Detroit. Um, this is a team they could raffle off, they could raffle off four or five. And all of a sudden that they are in the talk for a wild card. And there's nothing wrong with that. So let's let's be happy for the win. We saw some good things. There's things that need to be adjusted. We all know that. But there were a lot more good than bad. And that's why you got a W and not an L. Thank you, Big Al. Appreciate it. You're right. The Raiders, if everything goes right, it almost has to go perfect. And I don't think in football most things go perfect. But if everything goes above average here, the Raiders could get into discussion for a wild card. They could. Because they can win four out of five. And that'll give them six wins with a lot of games left. But they got to run the table here. They got to win these games against teams that are in disarray. They're upside down. And if the Raiders would have lost this game last night, which they could have, I didn't think Marcus Peters played great. He had a tip ball that led to an interception. The, the team did not play well at all on offense. If they lost the game and the Packers were three and two and the Raiders were one and four. There's no talk of the Raiders from here on out by anybody. Done. Other than their flagship radio station, what we do. Not talking about them on ESPN, Fox, no one's saying a word. Now the Raiders have a chance to set up the rest of the season and turn the tide. I think they can do that, but only if the offense plays much better. Not better. 
much better. It's got to get fixed. There are too many offensive minds in this building with Josh McDaniels, Mick Lombardi, the coaches who are here from the offensive line to the receiving coaches. They've got to fix this. The offense has got to flow much more easily, and they've got to get a lot of easy plays, and they've got to sustain drives, which they're not doing. The great Raider Mike checking in on a winning Tuesday. Mike, what's happening, buddy? Good to hear from you. JT, it's been years. I want to extend the olive branch. You berated me. Oh, you're not the Raider Mike I was talking about. You're not Raider Mike from the Jim Rome show with me and the the legendary Raider caller, but you're Raider Mike, so go ahead, Mike. And I don't recall berating you, but if I did, uh, welcome back to the show. No, it was Trent Brown. I called him. I've never seen crap stacked that high. And then you protected him, and then yeah, I work right. for the team, and on the flagship, we don't call people crap. We don't make personal cheap shots at players that we wouldn't say to his face. If you said that to his face, he would have took you outside and buried you. So I, I try to have a level where we don't call players and coaches names on this show. If you're okay with okay. continuing, I feel you. Anyway, you're right about the offense. It's that that line is just it's so. Spotty is the best word I can think of. And we've got too many great weapons. And we're finally starting to use them. Michael Meyer should have been used this whole time. That guy is going to be a dominant beast in the likes of Dave Casper, Todd Christensen, even better than those two. That's what that kid is. And we need to use him. And (laughs) Devontae? He's Devontae. We can't throw to him every play when you got all those other guys. Where's Hunter? Where is he? You need to use him. Mm-hmm. That kid had 100 receptions a couple years ago when we needed to have it. And I, I don't understand what's going on on the offense, but the defense is definitely stepping up. I love it. They look good. When, when Tyree starts to play like I know he's going to play, wow. That, that bunch is going to eat. They're going to eat. we got dogs. we got the ultimate alpha dog and the ultimate raider face of the nation in Max, the condor. And these players are starting to look at him and go, I want to be just like him. And we haven't had a defense like this in 21 years. So let it spray, let it sprout, let it grow. Give Josh a chance. I know what he did in Denver was horrifying. And we're thinking, oh, it's going to happen here. Give him a shot. Okay, thanks for the call. Got to jump in, man. Got to wrap it up. Appreciate your call. And, uh, you know, getting behind the team, if you jump off the team and you want to get back on the team, there's no Twitter police. There's no Twitter police, so you can do that. But the people that I hang out with, the the elite members of of the black hole, the real fans, um, they cannot believe the amount of fans who jump on and off like they're just going through therapy every week the Raiders play. They just can't shut up on social media and say, I hope the team wins. Let's get behind the team. They're all over the place. And that's because that's what happens on Twitter and social media. It breeds that, where people are allowed to just go in there anonymously and go up and down and lose their minds. I just think it's important to encourage your team. And then if it gets really, really bad, and the season's halfway over or over, I understand your frustration. I understand it. But everybody knew coming into this game and coming into this Patriot game, the Raiders have a shot to turn it around. I think the fans should get behind that. 
Here's Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the silver and black. What a great job he does. And, Harry, how would you describe the game as you called it last night? Because it was pretty ugly on offense, but the defense had one of the better games ever played at Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, not a clean game at, uh, in the totality, JT, but at the end of the day, clean enough on the defensive side to be able to end up with the win. Uh, you wanted turnovers, you ended up getting three. Uh, you didn't get as many points as you wanted off of them, but at the end of the day, they end up being the difference in this game, being able to steal the ball, Max Crosby wrecking havoc. It's just been a way where <clears throat> the Raiders have been chasing teams in the previous games, now they were able to take the lead and the defense delivered in that moment. So if you're able to take the lead, this might be a defense that lets you keep that lead. Now let's get into Robert Spillane and the way he played. One interception, he was right where he needed to be, hit him in the chest. Another one off a tip ball. Clearly the interception at the end of the game by Amik Robertson, that was a makeup play. He got beat and then got back to the end zone and made an athletic play. Walk me through the three turnovers, something the Raiders were in desperate need of. Yeah, and Robert Spillane, he's been preaching about them since the offseason, since training camp, since OTAs. Every time that we've spoken with him, he just says, these kind of plays change games, and we need to get to them. And they got to them in this game. Both of them, very different, but at the end of the day, they end up being the game changers that you needed by changing the possession. You saw, like you just mentioned, one hit him in the chest. He was there, right place, right time. A great return that set up the Raiders for a possibility to potentially get more points. Unfortunately, it was just a field goal, but every point counts right now for the silver and black. And then that tip ball, you got to give credit right there to Marcus Peters as well, making a play, and then Spillane being able to bring it in because we've seen in the past uh, three games and four games before this one opportunities where the football is in the air and they're not able to bring it down, to bring it into their arms, bring it into their chest, and make it a turnover. So big props to Rob Spillane and then Amik Robertson. What an athletic play. You could see in the replay how Christian Watson had a lot of space in front of him, and then Amik just closed that distance, went up, bring, came down with it. That was amazing. I mean, Amik Robertson, a guy that some people didn't have him in their 53-man projection during the offseason, right after the, as the preseason was ending. So uh, big props to Amik. His number was called. No Nate Hobbs, no Ja'Cory Bennett. Amik comes in in the big moment and makes that big play. Harry Ruiz is our guest, the Spanish voice of the silver and black. Amik Robertson deserves a lot of credit today. He saved the game. He saved the game, no debate, made a big play. He likes to, tr not, not trash talk, but he likes to pump himself up and tell people who he is. He's an undersized player. He plays above his ability at times. And you bring up something interesting now. You mentioned Ja'Cory and Bennett being out. I like him a lot. I think he's super athletic. And I wouldn't touch him. I'd leave him out there if he's healthy to go. But Marcus Peters is troublesome to me now. I think he's playing way off, way too soft on the outside in regards to coverage and not playing uptight man-to-man -man and putting his hands on guys. That's what I thought he was brought in for. Do you think there could be a change made at cornerback? Or maybe Josh McDaniels looks at the snap count a little bit differently and gets Amik out on the field a little bit more? Yeah, I think it could be a rotation kind of situation because you do want Marcus Peters out there even though there has been spotty play, even though he hasn't been that uh, culture-changing guy when it comes to turnovers with him uh, making them. But I still think that you need that veteran presence out there and you can't just go completely with the youth movement 
as starters with most of the snaps. I like what I've seen with, from Ja'Korian Bennett. I like what I've seen from Mameek Robertson, Marcus Peters. I just don't think you can move him right now. And Nate Hobbs, we know as well, he's very, very solid when he's on the inside. So you, I like this unit, and I think that they complement each other very well. And as they keep playing together, their level is going to keep rising. And there you go with Mameek Robertson. I spoke with him last week for the Mano a Mano interview that I do for Raiders.com slash Espanol, and he told me his nickname, The Wolf, his grandfather gave it to him because that's the spirit of a warrior that he has. And he keeps on fighting, and he delivered for the Raiders. Harry Ruiz, as we wrap it up, the Latino voice of the Raiders. So, Harry, I don't know if Devontae was 100% healthy. I don't think he could be after the hit he took, but he went out there. He talked about the double teams and being open after the game in the locker room. I think the big thing for all of us going forward is to find the identity of this offense on third and fourth and short. Fourth and short is usually only going to go for it on fourth and one, maybe fourth and two, and you got Josh Jacobs for that. Anything on third and short. I hope there's not a lot of confusion with Devontae because if Hunter's not going to be used at all, then defensive coordinators are going to say, hey, they don't throw it to Hunter Renfro. And I thought he was one of the best third-down receivers in all of football. Then it goes back to Devontae, but I'm not going to forget Jacoby Myers, who is an unbelievable target on third and short. So how about some more up-tempo play? How about getting to the line quicker on third down, getting the ball out quickly on a slant and picking up easier first downs? Yeah, and they were doing that with those fourth downs where they went for it, and when they got to the line quick, even that fourth down that they ended up throwing the challenge flag and got the third down, the, got the chains to move after the review. You saw Jimmy G go up there, shotgun formation, then he goes under center. They came up with two fantastic plays in those situations, one a quarterback's knee, the other one giving the ball to the wide receiver and getting the first down. They're coming up with good plays there, and Speaking about Devontae Adams, JT, I saw the interview that he did with SportsCenter last night, and he did say that he was banged up, that he wasn't at 100%. He didn't practice until Saturday, so he's not at 100%, but I'll give him a ton of credit for being out there on the field because other players, I got a feeling they'd be like, you know what, give me a week, give me two weeks, and I'll come back better than ever. Devontae wants to be out there for his team, and those four catches, 45 yards, they don't seem spectacular, but three of them came in that second touchdown drive that the Raiders had that they really needed. Harry, last one. The Patriots are coming in. Man, have they been historically bad. Outscored 72-3 to in the last two games. Shut out at home by New Orleans. Raiders can't afford to let them off the mat, man. God forbid they win or put up numbers or hold the Raiders and play better defense. If you look at the numbers from last week, I'm not saying it's going to be automatic and the Raiders are going to win the game blindfolded. But this is a game that we cannot look past New England. Raiders got to take advantage of this matchup and play a much better game if they're going to win. And also, you got to put your foot down their throats and not let them have any kind of momentum. you got to have no mercy on them. Put as many points as you can on the scoreboard. If you can, go crazy like Miami did against Denver. I know that the Raiders' offense hasn't been able to get over 20, but if they do, keep going over 30, keep going over 40. Just keep piling them up on them. They do have a defense where they're led by Bill Belichick, so you know that they have pride, but they've looked terrible the last two weeks. Now we can't be their bounce-back game. The Raiders have to go out there, get back to 500, and go to Chicago with the opportunity to have a winning record after Week 7. Thank you, Harry. Good seeing you out there as always. I mean, man, you're working the J-Lot. You're out there. You're in a suit. You're calling the game. Man, you're having fun. Uh, There's a great opportunity for you. You're making the best of it, huh? 
Absolutely. I'm actually right here in my car with my friend off the hook, Rachel Brown from Oakland, taking oh, her to the airport Rachel. right now. Yes. Hey, JC. Hey, Rachel. Great to see you. Love you. Another diehard fan. Rachel, very quickly, always support the team, right? Even if you're upset, support the team on game day. Absolutely. There she is. Thank you, Rachel. She's see not you, a Harry. woman of a lot of words. She's, she's shy on the radio right now, JC. She'll talk, uh, she'll talk when she has a no, modelo or two. I'm not shy, but, I mean, everybody knows. I mean, the Raiders are in my heart. So, when I'm upset, when we're losing, we could be 0-11. I'm out there representing. I'm going to go to other stadiums and represent because that's what our team needs to see. Solid support. And, yeah, we got a lot of people jumping around, acting like, all oh, this, all that. I don't want to hear it. Be there. Support your team. Stay in your seats. Keep your tickets. Stop giving them to other fans. Woo! Let's go get some. Hey, man. You, yeah. <laughs> You're the best. Got to run. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Harry. Hear what she said? Thank she you. got on a roll. Thank you. Safe travels for a woman who comes to all the games. Big hug in the parking lot and the J-lot. Sets up the food, the drink. And make sure all Raider fans have a good time. You know, if you missed the monologue, I went off on the fans who would jump and chip. That's just me being honest with you. Stay behind the team. You don't have to stay behind the team. If you're really aggravated with the team and you're going to kind of take a break, all right, take a break. But don't slaughter the team on social media and then have the guts to say your name is Raider blank. Or put in your Twitter bottle uh, bio, Raider for life. You look like an idiot. When you do that and you act that way all up and down social media, man, a lot of Raider fans out there, one of the largest fan bases in North American sports, act like it. And it is frustrating, and it's been frustrating this year. I just look at it a little bit different from my role. I want the team to win. And 3-3, three and three, it doesn't look like a miracle, but 3-3 three and three looks really good and shiny and happy, and the Raiders will have an opportunity to go into Chicago and Detroit and get the Giants and the Jets how many teams I'm looking at here in the standings are a mess? Can you imagine what the Dallas Cowboys are? A very good team. I picked them to win the Super Bowl. They got blasted by the 49ers, but I think they're a top team. The size of their media in Dallas and the abuse that they're taking, incredible. I mean, the Rams won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They're nothing now. The Raiders are right there, right there with the Chargers. Maybe the Chargers, I believe, lose to the Cowboys. The Raiders are right back. Kansas City is an elite team, but they don't look that great. And then there's a whole bunch of teams like the Browns and the Texans, uh, the Patriots, and the Raiders are right there uh, better than those teams with an opportunity to make their name over the next six or seven games. And if they don't, if they don't take advantage of the schedule, the end of the year is going to be about the draft pick, what to do in the future, how to spend free agent dollars, which I've done many times in my career. So we're good. I just think now that there's a window to win, let's take advantage of it. Our great friends at La Casa Cigars, Tivoli Village, Thursday night football, great place for a cigar, a bourbon, a whiskey, live music, proud partner of our show, and a great tailgate that I now go to La Casa Cigars.